All right. Well, good morning, everybody. So glad you guys are here with us here at Central. Thank you for everyone that's watching online uh, for checking us out, maybe for the first time or maybe a longtime member and you just need to be home right now. So uh, we wanted to provide our online experience for you so you can uh, follow along with today's message. You can, everybody, whether you're online or here today, you can go and be able to, to follow uh, the sermon, fill in uh, notes and all that good stuff. And man, I was, I was looking around, around this room and I can tell you one thing, it's Christmas time, huh? Huh? I was telling Ryland, they were, they were uh, decorating this a couple weeks ago and I walked in during the middle of the week and they were putting all these trees up and I said, man, it looked like one of those tree farms, you know, where you go and pick out your tree. Anybody ever done that? Man, going and picking out a tree. I saw some, some people driving uh, down the road uh, a couple days ago, and they had Christmas trees strapped onto vehicles that were not meant to carry trees, you know? And they just, they had them strapped down, and uh, they were pointing all different directions. It was crazy. I don't know how many limbs uh, they, they lose while they're going down the road, but man, it is Christmas time. And we've been in the middle of a Christmas story, the Christmas story found in the Gospel of Luke. So you have your Bible, you can turn to Gospel of Luke. We'll be in chapter two today, but if, if I was to back up just a little bit, go back into chapter one. Last week, we talked about Mary and her story. And the story goes that she got scared out of her mind when Gabriel, the angel, showed up in her life. And not only with his presence, but with his message. And what he, the story that he was telling her was going to happen, I mean, she flipped out and said, I, I, why me? Um, this can't happen to me. But in the middle of that, she does something amazing. It's a great story for us. It's something that we can, can emulate. It's a great example for us that she took this first step of faith. And she said, you know what, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand the plans you have for me, but I'm trusting you. And she trusted God. And God did something amazing in her life. The story goes on that, that she um, becomes pregnant through the Holy Spirit, which is a miracle in itself. Another miracle is that, that her fiancé, Joseph, kept her. Now, in Nazareth during that time, about 200 people in this, this small little town. Anybody ever grown up in a small little town? Everybody knows everything about everybody, right? I mean, you can't, you can't hide uh, your, your junk from people. And in that small town, you can imagine that this story gets out that, that Mary is, is pregnant and Joseph's sitting there like, it wasn't me, right? It wasn't me. But he, he decides to, to keep Mary because the angel also appeared in the gospel of Matthew, appeared to Joseph as well and said, hey, this is God's plan. And so Joseph, he did the honorable thing to honor Mary and honor God and he kept Mary. And they stayed engaged and the time came for her to give birth. What's crazy is, is they had to go on a little trip, didn't they? And so this little trip, they had to go from, from Nazareth, which is about 100 miles away from a little town called Bethlehem. You can imagine what they went through, right? I mean, getting ready to go on that trip, and, and Joseph's going, okay, a couple things. My, my, my fiance is nine months pregnant, so how am I going to get her 100 miles uh, down the road? 
And so maybe he got an animal or something, and he probably actually got a bunch of people together. They're all traveling because everybody had to do this, and they were traveling down to Bethlehem and said, hey, let's go together for safety because I want to protect my, my fiance. I want to protect Mary and her baby. And so they began to travel uh, down south. And 100 miles away, it took about eight to 10 days for them to travel that far, which is crazy. And there's either two routes that they took. They either took the route that was about 10 miles shorter, and it went down just straight through the mountains. But it was a very difficult route. You had to be in really good shape, and you... Probably shouldn't be nine months pregnant to go that route. So they probably didn't take that route. They probably took the more eastern route. They went through the Jericho Valley. So they went through the town of Jericho. It's almost at sea level. And they began to travel. It was really easy. But before they get to Bethlehem, they got to begin to climb some mountains. See, Jerusalem is only about six miles, a couple miles away from from, uh, Bethlehem. It's at 3,500 feet. And so eventually they had to climb 3,500 feet to get to Bethlehem. It was a, a crazy journey. And they had to go on a trip. And it reminds me of trips that my family goes on. And you guys are probably the same way. I mean, we, we have to go on a trip. We plan. We get prepared. We got all the luggage. And we kind of cram it in like we're playing Tetris, right, you know, in, in the car. And my wife and I, we get ready. We always have our, our to-go travel coffee mugs. And we get those set up. We have the little phone holders that attach to the, 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 wind, the windshield. And we got our phones ready. And if it's a place we don't know where to go, we, we go on, on our phones. And we, we get the directions, the turn-by-turn directions. And sometimes we go on Audible and we get like one of those uh, Amish love novel, you know, stories. I don't know. Uh, we, we watch, we listen to some of that stuff and we're, we're, we're all ready to go. My wife is in charge of the food. And so she always has a ton of food, right, Hannah? Like she just, she's, she's ready to go. If we had the, the apocalypse ever happened while we were on a, a trip, we could last for several months. Okay. Just in the car with the amount of food we have. We are, we are, we feel like we're great planners. We're ready to go on our trip. I think about Mary and Joseph. They were probably, they thought they were great planners as well. But the reality is, is that we're imperfect people, just like Mary and Joseph are imperfect people. And so our plans really are imperfect. But the good news for today is that there is someone who is perfect. And because he's perfect, he, his plans are perfect. And so today I want us to see that God always has a plan. That's what he does. He always has a plan. All the way from the very beginning, if we go all the way back to to creation, God had a plan. And working all the way through to the cross, this is all a part of God's plan. And even to today, God has a plan. And the great thing is, is that you and I, we are a part of that plan. So I want to look at a couple of principles of, of how God fashions his plan. First thing is this. He promises and fulfills. That's part of his plan. From the very beginning, he promises things, and he always fulfills the things that he promises. Let's look, look at Luke chapter 2. Here's what it says. In those days, this is a story everybody's read, right? In these days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, this may seem just like a story that you've heard over and over and over again. But I want us to see today that this, this is God's playbook. Like, this is his plan. He has, he's had this from the beginning. This is a part of, of God's plan. He, he sets it up in several ways. One of the ways he sets it up is he sets up Jesus' family line. In this story, we see that that. Joseph is Jesus' adopted father, okay? 
And if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, the very beginning, before Matthew begins to, to explain anything else, he says, this is really important. I need to tell you the genealogy of Jesus. And so there's this giant list. You can go and read it. We're not going to read it today because I can't read half the names on there. But there's, there's 28 generations from Jesus to King David. It's pretty awesome. And he begins to share and explain all of that. And this is really important because in the Old Testament, God over and over again promises that this is going to happen. We see it in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He begins to, to tell uh, that, that King David, he, he tells David in uh, prophecy that, hey, your, your line, your lineage is going to last forever and ever. And so David, he was born in a, in a special place as well that, that the Bible talks about and that God prophesied about as well, which was actually in Bethlehem. Do you all know that David was born in Bethlehem? about 1,000 years before Christ, around 1,000 B.C. And then 300 years later, in about 700 B.C., there's a prophet named Micah, and Micah says this about Bethlehem. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, if, uh, I can't even say that, Ephrathah, whatever, um, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. This is what God promised. He promised that this was going to happen. But here's, there's, I feel like there's a big problem in there because Joseph lives in Nazareth, right? And so Nazareth is way up north. And how is he going to get 100 miles down to Bethlehem with a nine-month pregnant fiancé? How is this going to work? Here's what God also does in the middle of his plans happening is he sets up Jesus' birthplace. About six decades before the birth of Jesus, a big empire rolled, rolled in to town, and it was the Roman Empire. And they took over all of uh, the people in that area, and not just the Israelites, but a lot of other people around there. And they began to sub subject them, and they were under their rule. And so, and we see in the story that there was this, this Caesar and he, this ruler, this emperor, and he said, you know what? We want to count everybody. We need to count everybody. And the way they counted everybody is they would go and say, hey, you've got to go back to your hometown. It's not your hometown where you currently live, but it's where your ancestors came from. And that's what Joseph had to do. So Joseph and Mary, at the perfect time, part of God's plan, right, throughout history, he works this out to where the Romans are in charge and just happens to have a census at this very exact moment where Mary is about to give birth. God worked all of this out. He always fulfills his promises. That's a great truth for us to remember today. But also, he desires humility before glory. This is another part of God's plan. This is how God wants his kingdom to work. Look at Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, if I was God, and thank goodness I'm not God, okay? But if I was God and my only son, who is going to be the savior of the world, and as Colossians says, has existed from the beginning of time, 
who is the sustainer and creator of the world, if he is about to be born as a human to be the savior of the world, if this is going to happen, he's going to be the king, he's going to be in control of everything, if this is going to happen, I would make sure that he was born into luxury, right? That everything was taken care of, that he had tons of doctors, we go to the best hospitals, we have all these nurses, um, we would, we would, uh, I would have him in a, in a castle or in a, um, a fortress and have people surrounding him, protect him, and not only that, but I would tell everybody, I would want everybody to know, and if, if the Savior, the point is, is that the Savior needs to be, the, his story needs to be told, and everybody needs to, to know about the Savior, then, man, if I, if I was God, I would want everybody to know. So we'd have announcements going out to around the world. People would come. It would be this giant uh, party, and everybody would know about the Savior. But that's not God's plan. God wants humility before glory. And that's what happened to the, the, the birth of Christ. He was laid into this lowly manger. And we see this. This is a part of God's plan. We see this in scripture in several places, Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 16. He says, so the last will be first, and what? The first will be last, right? And then Peter, who is the, the proudest of them all, you know, the proudest disciple, is all about him sometimes. He even says this in 1 Peter 5, 5. He said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter had finally figured it out. And James, the half-brother of Jesus the, the little brother Jesus, he says this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he's going to exalt you. And the great thing is that God models this for us. He doesn't say, hey, this is what you have to do, but I'm not gonna do it myself. He says, I'm gonna model it for you. And, and another thing, just side note, that I think is really interesting about this story is that this makes Jesus really approachable, right? Jesus is, is not someone who was always up in this high tower and had everything handed to him, and he was served all the time, and everything was just perfect in his life. No, at the very beginning, he is born in a, in a tough place. He is born in a dirty, nasty place. And you know what? He didn't have doctors or nurses delivering him. Who delivered? Jesus. Joseph did, right? A carpenter. He didn't know what he was doing, right? Okay, he has to deliver Jesus. And he is put into this, this feeding trough. And throughout his life, Jesus, he knows what it's like to be you, right? He's approachable because he knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to go through hardship, to go through poverty, and to have people turn their backs on him. He understands all those things. And so we can go to him and say, hey, God, I'm hurting here. And Jesus says, I feel you, right? I get it. I understand. I'm someone you can talk to. This is the Christmas story. It's a story of God's plan. So here's the question I have for us today is this. Where are you in God's plan? Where are you in the middle of, of this redemptive story that God has laid out from, the, from creation to, net, to now? Where, where do you fit in the middle of God's story and God's plan? Because the reality is, is that we all fit somewhere. We all have a purpose. We all have a plan. If we looked at, kind of back up and look at the, the plan of the church, the, the purpose of the church, we see this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what it says. It says that you will receive power, that the people of God, they're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So it's not going to be on your own strength. It's going to be through the strength of God and him working through you. And you will be what? My witnesses. My witnesses everywhere. I think that's really important for us to understand because Christian, Christians today, you know what we do a lot? We do a ton of Bible studies, you know? A ton of attendance. Come to church all the time. We do Bible studies all the time. We gain a whole lot of head knowledge. But you know what? That is not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to be witnesses. 
Simple as that. That is the purpose of the church. And Paul even goes a little bit further in his explanation of, of what his purpose is. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You'll look at it. Here's what he says. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's saying, this is the most important aspect of my life is Jesus. And he goes on and says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. Saying, I'm not a good speaker. Right? I'm not a good leader. I shouldn't be up in front of all of you. I'm not the smartest person in the room. But it's not about me. He says this, but in, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He's saying it's not about me. It's so that God can get glory in my life. My purpose of my life is to tell people about Jesus. Not so that I can get the glory, but so that God can get the glory. And the question is, does that describe your life? Does that describe my life? Maybe the other question is, maybe a realization that maybe some of us have tapped out in this Christian life. Maybe we've, we've tagged out. We said someone else can do it. How many of y'all like pro wrestling? Like the fake stuff, you know? Like the fake wrestling, okay? When I was in middle school, man, I, we watched it all the time. Me and my buddies, we would go to school. Middle school, we'd be talking about it all the time. This was back when like Stone Cold Steve Austin was the big thing, okay? So he was kind of like, I mean, I want to be like that guy. You know how it goes. I mean, they, they get in the ring and everybody's going crazy and... And uh, there's stuff flying around, and they're, they're doing crazy stuff. I mean, they would have died several times, right? But, but somehow they always magically uh, get up at the end. But, man, they're getting pile-drived and, you know, like chairs broken over their back. And you know what happens, right? I mean, the, the person, finally, they, they fall on the ground, okay? So they're on the ground, and they're just struggling. And what happens is they either tap out, right? Or they, they, they crawl, and they're trying to tag their, their, their teammate, right? And the other teammate is just reaching through the ropes, just reaching through the ropes. And they finally, you know, tag him. They're like, yeah, it's on, right? And so the guy gets out and the new guy comes in and just cleans house. I mean, that's how pro wrestling goes. But here's the deal. I think sometimes that's what we do with this Christian life. This comfortable American Christianity is that we, we tap out or we tag out. And we say, you know what? Someone else is responsible. Here's what happens a lot of times. You hire a pastor, you hire a staff and say, hey, I'm tapping you. It's your job. You go and tell people about Jesus and I'll pay your salary. Right? I'm telling you what, this is not what this church is going to be about. Because the reality is, that is not my job. That is your job. My job, Ephesians chapter 4, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And you're one of the saints. And so it's your job to go and tell people about Jesus. But the reality is, sometimes, we tap out. We cannot be a church that taps out. And here's how we tap out. We just say, I'm not good enough. Okay? That I'm too messed up that I'm, I'm just too old, okay? Or you say, I'm, I'm too young. I don't speak gooder, okay? You know, things like that, okay? Like, I mean, you know, saying I, I'm, I just don't have what it takes to be used by God. God can't use me. If you believe that, let me, let me go through the rest of this Christmas story because I think there's some people that are gonna blow your mind. Look at verse eight. It says, in the same region, this is as soon as this happens, the same region, there were shepherds. These guys out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's an incredible statement. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts saying that there's, that's word meaning like you can't count that many angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, that was weird. No, they didn't say that, right? They said, let us go. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured all, this, all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. We gotta realize this about God's plan. God can use anyone. He can use anyone. He used the shepherds. These guys were uneducated. They had low income. They were a low part of society. It wasn't something that you strive to do. It wasn't something you went home and you were proud of. They barely had enough money to put food on the table for their families. Their, their parents were not really proud of the profession that they, they had uh, aspired to or they, that they had become in their life. These guys, these guys, this group, this specific group, they were the night shift, right? These guys were the, the graveyard shift of the shepherds. And God called them to a special task. And their response was, let's go, Right? Let's go. And then they put feet to their words. They didn't just say, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. Yes, it sounds like a good idea. Let's go. But you know what? We got this responsibility. We got these things we got to do. Maybe we'll do this later. They said, no, we're going we're to give up what's important for what's most important. And they left. And they went. And this is what God's, new, God's good news does a lot of times. Actually, all the time. When people hear God's news his good news about Jesus, it causes people to go. It causes people to run to God. And this is what they did. And here's something that's crazy. I'm going to finish with this. In verse 20, I think it's the craziest verse of this whole little area, this whole little passage. Once they went and saw Jesus lying in a manger, right? Cute little baby Jesus. And they realized who he was. He's going to be the savior of the world, that he's going to be the Christ, and that the angel said he's actually God himself. When they went and they actually saw him, what did they do? They left. <laughs> they left Jesus, right? If I was one of those shepherds, I wouldn't leave. I mean, my life is not that great. All of a sudden, I get this special revelation from the angels. I get to go and see Jesus. I'm staying with Jesus, you know what I mean? I'm going to hang out with him. I'm going to protect him. I'm going to serve him for the rest of my life. I am not leaving Jesus' side at all. But that's not what they did. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds, they returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. 
why did they leave? Why did they leave and go back? They had to tell somebody, right? They were compelled by the gospel to tell somebody. And God has blessed you and he's blessed me with all sorts of ways that we can tell people. For most of us in this room, for all of us, we have the gift of the English language. We were called by God to tell people in the English language about Jesus. Because here's the deal, there are billions of people around the world that can't go and share Christ with people that speak English because they don't speak our language. Some of y'all can speak Spanish. God has called you to not just use that for yourself, but to go and tell people about Jesus in the Spanish language or all sorts of different languages that can be spoken in this room. Some of us have the gift of sign language. We need to be going and telling people about Jesus with that gift of sign language. And here's the deal, almost all of us have this gift called social media, okay? And we love to use it to tell people about stuff all the time, right? Remember just yesterday, um, took Hannah to Tulsa. She had some, uh, some softball stuff she was doing. And then we went and we ate at this little hole in the wall uh, uh, hamburger place. And I took this picture and I put it on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And, and it, it is a picture of, of Hannah in the background, these two giant baskets of french fries and hamburgers and it looked awesome okay and i took that picture and i put it on social media because i wanted everybody that's important to me all the people that I have on social media i wanted them to see what was most important to me i wanted them to see hannah right and me spending time with my daughter we do this all the time even today you'll probably go and post and you've probably done this this week you post things that are most important to you and you want people to to know about them but man what about jesus God has given us this, this tool, this language tool. It's not just the words, but it's today in today's technology society, we have this ability to share Christ with people that we would never be able to share with. So why not Jesus? Why do we not tell people about Jesus? Because here's the deal, this is God's game plan. This is his purpose for your life, for him to get the glory. And when God gets the glory, here, here's how it works. And these are the final notes for today. He gets the glory when we listen to his call, just like the shepherds did. They heard this message. We listen to the call of God that you're hearing this morning. And then we go. We go where he sends us. And when we go, it doesn't end there because we eventually have to tell someone. We gotta tell people about Jesus. And guys, this is the great, great news for today. That God has a plan. And here's this plan that he sent Jesus to be the savior of the world. And some of you in this room don't know Jesus and you need to give your life to the Lord maybe today. That you would trust in him and say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna give you my life. I want you to save me from my sins. I'm turning my life over to you. That is part of God's plan for your life. But for a lot of us in this room, we need to be able to say yes to, to God when he calls us to do something. There's too many times we're just tapping out, right? And I don't want to be a part of a church that just taps out all the time. You know what those are called? They're dying churches, okay? There's thousands all over this country that are dying because the people in those churches sitting in those pews and chairs are just tapping out all the time and saying that's someone else's job, it's someone else's responsibility. I'm not good enough. There's other things going on in my life. I'm too busy. Uh, God can never use me. I don't speak good enough. Um, I can't articulate the gospel well enough. I don't know my theology well enough. These shepherds didn't know theology, but they went and they told people about Jesus. And that needs to be the call of our lives. He wants to use you regardless of your, I'm not good enough. 
So let's respond to him today. Would you bow your heads with me? As we have a, a time of invitation, I just want to ask some questions. Maybe there's some of you in this room who have never given your life to Christ, and you need to do that. You need to say yes to Jesus. You need to go. You need to run to the gospel. You need to run to him. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. You can come down to the front here in just a second and talk to me. You can go over there to our connection room and talk to one of our other pastors. You don't have to do it in, in, uh, in public. You can do it in private. And we would love to share with you what it means to give your life to Christ and, and the, the beauty of that. But I wonder for all of us, the rest of us in this room, I don't know where you're at. I don't know your influences you have. I don't know the relationships you have. Maybe it's at school or at work or, or wherever it might be, a family member. But I believe everyone is is being called right now to go and tell someone. Maybe it's someone God is putting on your heart. You say, you know what? I've been putting this off for too long. I've been tapping out. Every time there's opportunity, I just tap, off, tap out for whatever reason. And maybe God is calling you to not tap out this time. And so I wanted to pray for you. Do something a little different. So if that's you, if you're saying, you know what? There's, there's this one person in my life I need to go and, and share Christ with. I need to share this good news with. Would you just slip your hand up? There's anybody in this room? Okay. Thank you. Let me pray for you real quick. God, we thank you for this message and what a beautiful, beautiful message it is. This gift you've given us of Jesus and this gospel message and this story. And God, I just specifically right now pray for my brothers and sisters in this room or Maybe many are online right now, and, and God is calling them out of, out of their comfort zones and saying, don't tap out this time to go and share. And so, God, I pray that you would give them just these God-ordained moments and opportunities to just boldly share Jesus and, and leave the results up to you, God. That we would, they would do their part. God, give them courage. Give them that specific moment. And I pray, Lord, that this message of the shepherds and what they did, that that would come to their mind and their spirit in that moment. And the Holy Spirit, you would lead them and guide them. And I pray, God, that you would give them a swiftness about this and they wouldn't put it off and say, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. But instead, they'll say, I'm gonna do it now. Just like the shepherds did. They went when you called. So God, give them the opportunities, give them the strength. And God, I pray that it would bear fruit in their lives and people's lives would be changed because of the call you're giving them right now. And God, I, I believe that there are people in this room who don't know you. And God, I'm, I'm praying right now that you would save them. You would call them to take a step of faith, just like Mary did. They would come down to the front. They would go and, and talk to one of our pastors in the back and they would give their life to you and you would change them. Thank you so much for Jesus. In this Christmas time, we get to celebrate his life because of what... He has done for all of us. So God, we want to honor him and praise him right now. So we do that as we respond to your call. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you stand with me real quick as we have a, a, final, a final song of, of us responding to God. And there's lots of ways you can do it. You can come down to the front. I'll be down here if you want to talk to me. You can do that right where you're at in your spirit. That's great. God, God resides in your heart and you can just talk to him right where you're at or however God is calling you to do, do that. Let's respond to him right now. Lord, I